like, you live differently. Why is that? Basically, it all started with this. So I, uh, this last year I moved to Trumbull, and I was excited to move to Trumbull because where I used to live, I did not have any neighbors. I lived up on a hill, and uh, the one neighbor I actually had was a Christian. And my heart was, hey, I want to impact my neighbors. And so when I moved to uh, this new location in Trumbull, I had the opportunity to live at, on the end of a cul-de-sac uh, with a whole bunch of neighbors that I've been able to get to know. And it's been awesome to see uh, the relationships that I've been able to build as I've been trying to bring Jesus to them. And then uh, I also love sports. And so uh, I've been coaching some of my kids' uh, teams in the effort of uh, just being with my kids, but also to impact uh, people and kids for Jesus. And so uh, somehow, though, this, fall, this uh, spring, I got roped into coaching three different teams, all that happened to be on Saturday uh, throughout the day. So my Saturdays were just coaching. But before every time I would step out of my car onto the different fields, I would pray and say, hey, God, give me an opportunity today to be your witness, to be your mouthpiece uh, for what you you want to do in and through me. And so this one day, uh, I was, uh, before the game, one of the fathers came up, Ken, and uh, he and I were talking, and I sent out emails to all the parents on the team, and they all know that I'm a pastor because I use my BlackRock email. I did that on purpose so that they would know I'm a pastor and I would have a little more inroad to maybe if they have something going on in their life. So he started to talk about his church experience. And so he's going through for about five minutes all about his church experience. And I can tell by what he's saying that where he's attending church, they do not talk about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. That it is an obligation, it's a duty, it's something that his parents uh, passed down to him and that he and his family just go because that's what good Christians do is they go to church once a week for that. And so at the end of the conversation, he then uh, turns to me and he says, Jeremy, what makes your church different than my church? And it was my opportunity, what I had prayed for, and I had the opportunity to respond three different ways. Now, I remember when I was young, I went to New York City. And I don't know if you've ever seen this on New York City streets, but there was a man that was standing there, and he was saying, Ken, you're a sinner. You're going to hell. Turn from your evil ways now. You might get hit by a truck in a minute. You might die, and then you're not going to spend your eternity with Jesus. Turn to Jesus now. You're a sinner. That's one response that I could have given Ken. I don't know how that would have gone over. The other response would have, could have been, that I wasn't prepared, or I was afraid. What would he think? How would he respond to what I said? And so do I just kind of shrink back? Do I change the conversation? Do I kind of just avoid it? How often do we do that? God tees us up for the perfect opportunity for us to share our faith, and when we have it, we just walk away. We say, not this time, maybe next time, I'm too afraid. Or do we dive in and say, hey, Ken, it's a great question. You know, for, for me in my church, we talk about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus, 
that for my, myself, that every single day I have this personal relationship with Jesus because I believe that 2,000 years ago he died on the cross for me and he forgave my sins. And it's not, I don't have to do anything to earn my way to heaven. It's not by me being a good person. It's just because he died for me on the cross that I can have that relationship. And the reason why I coach teams, I go to church all the time, I serve, I try to be a difference maker in my world is not because I'm trying to earn God's love. It's because I want to love Jesus even more. And that's how I express my love back to him. You know, as a church, we've been talking through the last few months what it means to be a difference maker. Josh talked about salt and light. And when Josh and I, we're preaching for the next four weeks this, this series called The Everyday Gospel. And when we're talking through it, we said we need to encourage our church not just to be a good neighbor, but how do we actually bring the gospel into our everyday where we're talking about the life-changing work that Jesus does and how people can have a relationship with him. And so that's what we're going to be talking through for these next few weeks, how every single day we can do that individually. You know, for me, this does not come easy because I'm not Dan McCandless. You see, for Dan McCandless, he has the gift of evangelism. He can go into a room and everyone will be like, I want to have Jesus. <laughs> I'm the very opposite of that. I walk into a room, people walk away from me. I walk away from them because I'm afraid. I'm an introvert. I don't like mingling and talking to people a lot at all. I do it because I have to for my work. But if I didn't have to do it, I would just sit in a corner and be very happy. And so as I speak for these next two weeks, know that what I am saying, what I've found in Scripture is something I am trying to apply today, tomorrow, and every day going forward, that this is the biggest challenge for me, and it's probably bigger for me than even for you. And I wish I had more stories, more compelling things to tell you, but I'm on a journey in how do I share, not just be a good neighbor, but how do I share my faith each and every day? Let's pray. Lord, thank you for how you want to use us, how you have forgiven us and, and made us new, but now how we need to take that mantle and bring your light to, to the lost world around us. Lord, help us to surrender our wants and our needs and just be aligned with what you desire for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, you could turn to 1 Peter 3.15. We're going to be spending four weeks in this one passage. You know, I want to encourage you. I have a friend, Sherry Pacey. She's actually leading a trip to the Dominican Republic right now. But I've been to her house a few times. She puts up Bible verses all over her house to help her remember what she's learning. And I want to challenge you. Put this verse everywhere in your house. When you wake up on your nightstand, on your mirror, in your kitchen, wherever, on the back of your phone, in your car, have this verse for the next four weeks reminding you of what God is teaching you. Share it on social media, put hashtag BR, uh, BR family so that we get to kind of see that. I would love to see how we are saying, hey, it's not just on Sunday I'm going to dwell on this verse. I'm going to figure out how does this verse apply to my everyday. Now this verse says this, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. 
but do it with gentleness and respect. Don't use a megaphone. <laughs> you know, when Peter was writing this, he was writing it to the Christians who were scattered throughout the Roman Empire during that time. And what he was writing to was he was writing to a group of people that were passionate about living for Jesus, but their world around them was not. And it was hard. It was difficult. They were struggling with how do we bring the gospel into our lives? You can see in verses 8 through 22 that it's, they were suffering for what they were trying to live out. It was hard. You know, for you and I, it's hard to live for Jesus today. But at the same time, I believe that the world is more open than ever to hear about the true Jesus that we have. Not just for us to be a good neighbor, but to share the truth behind why we want to be a good neighbor. People are open. But for us to have the opportunity, the courage to share Jesus, to share the gospel, we have to be madly in love with him. And here's the reason why. I want to tell you about an illustration about my son. I have uh, two sons, my oldest son, uh, Blake, uh, and then my middle son, Chad. And what I know about Chad and what I've learned in his six years of uh, living with me is that anything that I am for, he is against. <laughs> I am a big Mets fan, okay? So guess what Chad is? He is a big Yankees fan just because I'm a Mets fan. So last year, the whole year, okay, he kept saying, I'm a Yankees fan, but he, he wasn't a Yankees fan. He didn't love the Yankees. And so I could talk about the Mets. I could talk about how bad the Yankees were, and he, would, he wouldn't care. Something clicked this year, okay? He is now the most avid Yankee fan. He wants to watch every game. He memorizes the players. He asks Alexa all about Judge and wants to know everything about him, how tall he is, what he likes to eat, everything. He wants to be a uh, Judge. And so it's been interesting to see this love and this desire. And what he will do is he will defend the Yankees at any moment. So I had a great opportunity last weekend when the Yankees got swept by the Red Sox <laughs> to put the dagger every, every morning. He would wake up and he'd be like, who won last night? And I was always like, the Yankees lost. And he was like, it's because Judge is hurt. And I'm like, are you kidding? I'm like, you know what? The Mets actually won last night. We're a better team yesterday. He's like, the Yankees have won 20 championships. Where are the true Yankee fans? It's 27. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. See, if he was here, he would have yelled up. He would have been screaming, 27 championships, Dad. See, he is a passionate fan who loves his team, who's willing to share all about it no matter what. As he loves the Yankees, that's the love that we need to have for God. That whenever we get a chance to defend Jesus, to share about Jesus, we are going to take that opportunity to say, I am for Jesus and this is why. But so often we walk away from that. And we see these words in here that say, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. The word revere means to have a deep respect for. You can put it another way, but in your hearts, give him first place in your life. Give him first place in your life. Why do we give him first place? Why do we revere him? 
A song that I love to listen to has a kind of a monologue at the, at the beginning, and it says this, because he moved me from death to life. He moved me from darkness to light, from defeat to victory, from shame to grace, from fear to faith, from sorrow to joy, from dread to expectation, from bondage to freedom. I was lost without him. Now I am found. Church, that's why we revere Christ, because what he has done for us. And if you want to remember, it's three things. Who he is. We revere him for who he is. He's our creator. He's holy. He's the meaning of life. Deuteronomy 13 says that it's all about him. You follow the Lord your God and, and you keep his commands. You listen to his voice. You serve him. You cling to him. It's all about him. Second, what has he done for us? What has he done? That's why we revere him, because he has saved us. He has forgiven our sins. You and I, we cannot make our relationship with God right. It's only because of what he did on the cross, how he has saved us, and that's why we worship him. That's why we put him as number one in our life. And third, for who he wants us to be, a new creation positioned to change the world in his name. See, he's made us new. We didn't make ourselves new. We didn't give ourselves the right to be children of God. He did that when he died on the cross for us. But then he's positioned us in the neighborhood, in the town that you're in, with the friends that you have to bring his love. And that's why we worship him. That's why we put him as number one. When we put him as number one, it's a great spot to be. We're in tune with him. We know his heart. But you and I know that it is so hard to stay in that number one spot with him. The world starts pulling at us. We get busy. The job gets busy. Life gets busy. We get that promotion. We get that other thing that we want, the car, everything. And we get distracted. And before long, we've moved away from him being number one to where it's all about us. For us to stay with God as our number one, it is hard work. It's overwhelming at times. It takes all that you have to keep him as, as number one. Don't believe the lie that it's easy. It is not easy to keep him as your number one. But when you have him as your number one, there's no better place to be. There's no better place to be because the world makes sense. When you're over here, it's chaos. Your family's in chaos. Your work's in chaos. You wake up every day going, how am I going to get through today? How am I going to get through this week? When you're over here, you wake up and say, I'm going to change my world today. I'm not going to work. I'm changing my world. I don't care what my boss says, what's happening, what's in my bank account. I am changing my world because Jesus is there with me. Church, that's where we need to be. So how do we do that? How do we stay in that spot? Because when we're not here, when we're over here, when Ken says to us on the baseball field, hey, Jeremy, what's the difference between my church and your church? You go, uh, you know what? How's the weather? When we're over here, we respond with 
the gospel with Jesus' love. That's what it means to revere him. So how do we do that, church? How do we revere him and put him in his rightful place? Here's a couple ways that this week, I encourage you, just take one of these and put it into practice. I encourage you, if any of these stick out, stop by the Next Steps booth, go to brc.church, sign up for something to say, here's how I'm gonna do that. One, ask for forgiveness. Today's maybe that day where you need to ask for forgiveness and say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. I realize I can't do this on my own. I need your grace today. Walk away from your sins. Hebrews 1 says, throw off everything that hinders in this and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race that is marked out for us. Church, walk away from the things that are distracting you from having Jesus as your number one. Attend church weekly. What we're finding in America when we look at the church in America is that we attend church less than two times a month. Pastor Steve often says to families, he said, parents, if your kids ever ask you what you're doing on Sunday morning, you got to change it. Your kids have to go. We're going to church. We're all about attending. Church, it starts here. Coming here and getting built up and saying, hey, Jesus is my number one that I can tackle maybe Monday and Tuesday because I'm walking with him. But you know what? There's 167 hours outside of the one hour that you have in church. We talk often here, you hear people talk about our, through our announcements, our next steps. How are you going to take your next step? I encourage you, if you're attending worship here and you're saying, I need to do something more, join our starting point groups this fall. Go to the next steps kiosk right after this and say, hey, I'm signing up for starting point. They meet at 10 and 11.30, and it'll help you to understand your story and how your story intersects with Jesus' story. And if you ever have a question, how do I share Jesus with others? Starting Point will help you understand how you do that. We have to be in community. We talk about this all the time. You cannot live your journey with Jesus on your own. That is the biggest lie of the devil. If you're trying to say, hey, I attend worship once a week, and then the rest of the week, I am not talking with someone else about what I'm doing in my journey with Jesus, my struggles, what's happening. Join a community group, join a parents group that we have here, get into community, serve, give of your time. I know for me, that's my number one way that I am here when I serve. In ownership, take ownership of your faith, be in the word, start reading God's word. Don't start in Genesis Start in John this week and say, hey, I'm going to dive into God's word. I'm going to know more about what he says and how he loves me and how he wants a relationship with me. You see what I just talked you through? We have these four steps, worship, community, serving, ownership. We do that because we love you guys and we want you to have Jesus as your number one. And for you to have Jesus as your number one, you have to be actively involved in all of those in some way. Be creative, but figure out how do I take my next step? That's how you're going to keep God as your number one. You know, for me, I think back to when I was in, in high school and I had the opportunity to go to Russia. When I went to Russia on this mission trip, I got the opportunity to uh, go to my translator's house on the last night I was there. 
And I did not have a seminary degree. I did not know any answers about Jesus. I just went on this trip and God wanted to use me. And I was in love with him. And I remember being at his dining room table and for three hours, he asked me every theological question he could ask. And because I was in love with Jesus and because the Holy Spirit was in my life, for three hours, I gave the most articulate answers that could ever come out of my mouth. I could not repeat what happened today like it happened there. Church, when we love Jesus, when he is our number one, he will give you the words, he will give you the opportunity to shine for him. Three hours later, that translator put his faith in Jesus. Not because of my strength. Because I was in love with my creator. And he used me in just a little way to bring his gospel. And so church, realize that on this journey for these next four weeks, it starts with us putting his, him as our number one. When we put him there, he will use us to bring the gospel. We want to thank you for watching and listening to our sermons online, and we hope that uh, you will be inspired to live more like Jesus through these. Please check out blackrock.org for more information about our church. Know that you can subscribe to our podcasts on iTunes, and also uh, know that you can give uh, to BlackRock and to our ministry through PushPay, through our mobile app, and on our website. Your uh, donations and your support of our ministry allows us to have uh, these videos online and for us to impact our community.